Welcome to Good Darts. It is the podcast that's all about darts. Although the quality cannot be guaranteed, essentially saying it might not be very good. But we'll plough on anyway. Our odyssey into the world of podcasting continues this week without Wayne Mardle for now. So we've got another guest co-host in this week. Last week we had Mark Webster. The week before we had Paul Nicholson. So that's a world champion and a major champion. Uh, this week I'm joined by my long-term co-commentator on the Pro Tour and indeed the European Tour. It's Magic Murph, Chris Murphy, who's not a major champion. I know he's a Premier League winner. I would have classed that as a major at some point, but less willing to do so now. Murph, how are you doing? Yeah, great, Dan. Thanks. Uh, pleasure to broadcast with you again. It has been a while. Yeah, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Well, look, coming up, we've got uh, the very first interview with the new world number 12, Dimitri Vandenberg, on the morning that he woke up as the only the 10th winner of the world match play. What did he make of the world match play, Murph? Because it was strange, but ultimately it was great having darts back and I don't I don't think it was that far off the proper product I mean I know it would have been great to be in Blackpool and everything but it did feel like a big time darts event yeah well you were there and, I, and, and I'm kind of surprised that you said that being there because I know not having fans in the arena may have been very different to how it translated on television which I think it came across really really well in fact most of the time when I was sat watching it it didn't I kind of didn't notice that there was no mm. crowd there uh, because the PDC and Sky, you know, credit to them, did a fantastic job. And actually, all of the players bought into that as well. So I think they did a great job. Everyone involved needs a lot of praise. Yeah, but there are, I mean, because it is so strange, there are some genuine funny moments, like players turning around to celebrate and then only just realising that there was no crowd there and various dodgy bits on, on the sound, like somebody hits a bullseye trying to set up a, a shot and then... The, the fake crowd noise goes, yeah, when really it that that's not the time to go, yeah. Or they hit a double and nothing happens at all. Like, there yeah, are some weird out. moments. I was trying to find out if the players actually heard that cheer, because actually, if they did, and you might have the answer to this, they kind of dealt with it quite well. It happened a couple of times, as you say, on the bullseye mid-leg or to set up a double rather than going for the bullseye to finish a leg. And that sort of big cheer happened. And actually, I think Gary Anderson was one of them didn't flinch at all so I started to wonder do they, do they actually hear that or just we hear that because if yeah, yeah, a fair so, player yeah you can like the, if you when you're looking at the screen the shot of the players throwing the darts on the split screen you can see lined up behind they're all black so it's difficult to pick out but they're just loads of big speakers and they start pumping in the noise like five minutes before they go on air so you can hear it all and even when you're doing the post-match interviews which is on a balcony in Milton Keynes you can hear all that going on behind you. So you kind of do forget. And Adrian Lewis, he, I can't remember what shot it was he took out, but he turned around and gave it a proper big celebration and then sort of pulled out of it halfway through because he realised there was nobody there to appreciate it. So that just shows you that the players were, once they got into the games, it was, they were just on autopilot, really. They were, you know, they, they felt like they were playing big stage darts with a crowd because they seemingly wanted to celebrate in front of them. Yeah, and I felt as a fan exactly the same, like I was watching a bit. I felt like I was watching the world match play. So whatever they did, it worked. Yeah, I think so anyway. Um, look, what did you think was going to happen at the start or as the tournament developed? Did you make any predictions? Because all of my predictions were pretty much blown out of the water. Well, as you know, Dan, I'm not one to blow my own trumpet. But, uh, <laughs> I, did, yeah, I did say okay. li live on air during the summer series to uh, our colleague Paul Nicholson, who put me on the spot and asked me. I did mention Gary Anderson as a, a big 
contender, mm. um, mainly based on the fact that he won the UK Open in front of no crowd, admittedly. Um, mm. But I didn't expect him to get to the final in the manner that he did. Yeah, well, I kept backing against Gary as well because it's it's obvious. It was obvious from the very first game with Justin Pipe that his throw isn't is isn't right. It's it, it is right for times, and then there are periods of the game where he it just goes off, and he says it himself. He says, "I'm looping the darts. I'm not throwing them properly. I'm not happy with it." And he's been saying this for a number of months. Now, you and I commentated on him winning the first Pro Tour title of the year when everything went right all the way through the day, pretty much. Yeah. And then we thought, oh, well, he's fixed then. He's fine. He can go and average 104 all the way through a day. But it's not happened like that, and it is very in and out. So I thought at some point he's going to come a cropper. So I thought that Michael Smith would beat him. I thought Whitlock might beat him in the quarters. I thought Michael Smith definitely would beat him in the semifinals. Um, and I was proved wrong on both counts. But ultimately, the final is where it did fall down. And that's the danger, isn't it? With Gary Anderson at the minute, you're not quite sure whether he's going to last a full game or even a, a portion of a game where his throw is reliable enough to win things. Yeah, it still did surprise me that he continued in that vein because many times we've seen Gary Anderson really grow into tournaments. When he's playing for £5,000, he can play like a £5,000 player. And when he's playing for £150,000, he can play like a £150,000 <laughs> player. And it did surprise me that he just his struggles carried on because often, you know, as he said, he doesn't pick a dart up for long periods of time. But then when he plays every day in a tournament, you just see him getting better and better and better. But there's a problem that he has to iron out. He is aware of that problem. Whether he goes away and gets help for it or whether he fixes that himself, that's up to Gary. But at least he's aware of it and wants to put it right. Yeah, that's the frustration. I mean, if it was happening all the time, if every single game he was playing something was going wrong, it might be the kick up the backside. But the thing is, the fact that he can still go and win tournaments and make the final of the world match play, even though it's not quite right, it almost just sort of encourages him to ah, just carry on. It'll be all right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Who were the biggest winners and losers for you out of that week and a bit in, in Milton Keynes? Obviously, Dimitri, and we're going to talk about him at length in a moment. We're going to hear from him, and then we'll talk about Dimitri himself. But aside from Dimi winning it, who were the players who you took a look at and thought, they've had good weeks, they're going places? Uh, Simon Whitlock is a fascinating one because I think he's both a big winner and a big loser. Um, beating Michael Van Gerwen, ending that horrendous streak against the world number one, mm. but then still being knocked out of the world's top 16, which could prove to be very problematic for him in terms of his career, his future in the game, um, qualifying for... TV tournaments, he's not very high up on the pro tier order of merit and we don't know how many events we're going to have between the, the now and the other big tournaments towards the end of the year. Um, so Simon Whitlock is sort of having this euphoria of getting that monkey off his back and, and not just beating Michael Van Gerwen, absolutely demolishing him. Yeah, he was incredible. But then ending the tournament kind of we don't know when we'll see him on TV again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Vincent van der Voort, I thought it was one of those matches, uh, the game that he lost, where, you know, sometimes when you watch a game of darts and a player's winning, but you kind of know they're going to lose. And that's kind <laughs> it's of like watching you, felt. Murph. <laughs> well, yeah, watching well, you in the that, Premier yeah. in League. I said, when a player's winning. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Going to lose. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, it just had that feel to it. And I think. Um, I kind of was willing Vincent on because, you know, I like the guy. I think he's very entertaining on and off the hockey. Um, really authentic character. Um, but just had that feeling that it wasn't going to go his way because of the opponent as well. 
Um, yeah. One of the most dogged, determined, you know, someone who really rises to the to the to the key moments, um, and just hits those pressure doubles better than many many players in the game. And then it all boiled over a little bit. Vincent's apologised for that at the end. Uh, it was another moment, though, wasn't it? It gave us another moment. But I think um, you're looking at a couple of players there in Vincent van der Voort and Simon Whitlock, who kind of had great moments, but might look back and think what might have been. Mm, yeah, I mean, Adrian Lewis would be another one I'd pick out who, who looked better than I've seen him for a long time. And it's a couple of years since AD won a title as well. So it's it's he's it, it's it's got to be frustrating for him. It's got to be frustrating for, for Simon Whitlock to know what they're capable of doing and not do it for long periods. Um, but he really did look like he might be on the come. I don't know if it's a false dawn, I don't know. But I mean, in terms of the... I, look, I picked... Uh, Whitlock to beat Anderson, got that wrong. Uh, Ratajski to beat Smith, got that wrong. Uh, Lewis to beat Dimitri, got that wrong. And Duzza to beat Vincent. And I should have been wrong there because even Glenn himself said Vincent was the better player. He should have won that game. And I'm not quite sure how Glenn Durant managed to win. I mean, he didn't miss a double for about a dozen legs or something at the end there. It was it was one of the most incredible comebacks not quite from the the depths of despair that Rob Cross was against Daryl Gurney the previous year but in terms of the quality just as good and uh, look that's what the match play gives you doesn't it long format games like this you're going to get those big swings and those dramatic endings to games yeah yeah it was a really exciting tournament I think with Glenn um his kind of the best part of his game is that he kind kind of comes good at the end he comes good under pressure um and that will serve him well although seems that the semi-final barrier is one that he's struggling to get over at the moment in the PDC. Uh, and that is might be a concern for him. And obviously we'll come on to talk about Dimitri, but it's interesting to see someone without that kind of scar tissue going on to win a tournament from that yeah. position. Yeah, scar tissue is an interesting one. Adrian Lewis certainly talked about it, trying to forget about all the defeats and things that he's had over the last few years and just get back to playing like he knows how he can. But Dimitri Vandenberg, it was the biggest night of his life on Sunday. £150,000 shot into the top 16 in the world. He became only the 10th player to win the World Match Play title. Uh, so he celebrated uh, by eating a pizza in a hotel room uh, with a middle-aged, bald Aston Villa fan. Macca, that's his magic. Hi, Macca, if you're listening. Uh, but then he got to speak to me the following morning, so what a spectacular few hours this young man from Belgium had. These are the questions that you should be asking. Dimitri, day after the night before, where's the trophy? It's not here. No, it's not here. It's already nice um, in the car. It's, <laughs> it's already in the car? It's already packed in, ready to go with me home. OK. <laughs> What's it like? Is it if you've woken up a different man? I uh, definitely woke up as a different man. Um, I am a world match play champion. I'm a major champion now. So, yeah, dreams come true once again. <laughs> it's really, really unbelievable. Look, I'm quite interested in yourself and this sort of new breed of dart players mm. because you've been around darts since how long? When did you start playing? I've been playing darts from almost from when I was born. Uh, my dad took me in a Maxi Cozy to the tournaments when I was just a little kid. And, um, well, back then he was already a great player. So I've only seen it and I only grew up with it like that. And then at some point I was old enough to stand up and throw a dart myself. So as soon as I could, I was playing darts. What's that? What was it like in Belgium doing that? I mean, is, is darts a cool thing? Like if you're a kid growing up, everybody's playing football, I would imagine, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, of course. They don't really know a lot 
when it comes to um, playing, uh, play, like, yeah, when, when you grow up, you're like outside, on fields, on uh, football grounds, basketball, you know, you're, you're young, you're, you're going to be busy, you're going to be being the monkey, climbing into trees and everything, you know, and try and do crazy stuff, try and like figure out what it is in the world and what it's the gift. Well, for me, it always was darts. I, I didn't see anything different and I didn't want anything different. So, you started playing very, very young. Yeah. And you got quite a bit of success. When did you realise you were really good? Oh, um, I think it took me a whole lot longer than other people. A lot of people were telling me that I have talent and that I can play. Um, they told me that from a young age. Um, I managed to win a lot of tournaments in the, the Belgium comp like Belgium tournaments, um, the Belgium ranking events. And, well, at some point, I also managed to win a BDO event, the Flanders Open, as um, a youth player. And stuff like that is I will always remember. So how did it fit in then? Like, we, you're going to school at this time, obviously. Yeah, and I, I know your dad was a dart player, but yeah. was he having to say, stop playing darts, do your homework? For him, it was very important that my school was okay. Um, but when I got older... Um, my school wasn't the best because for some reasons that I had on school, I didn't have an easy time on school. At some point, for some reason, I got bullied. And um, yeah, then you just don't want to go to school anymore. You don't like it anymore. And my grades showed it. I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to go to sleep because I wasn't dedicated to that. And well, darts always has been in my life. And it's still going through my veins. <laughs> I don't know. I just grow up differently than a normal kid would. That's got to be very hard to deal with growing up if you're being bullied. I mean, was yeah. there also a release from that? Because different yeah. community, different people, is yeah. they more accepting? 100% they're more accepting, but it's also because of the person who I am. Um, in school, everybody wants to, I don't know, be strong, and it's better to be the bully than get bullied, I don't know, things like that. But you know what? I've got to say thank you, because they are the ones that, if I look at them right now, I can laugh at them because I am a whole lot stronger, especially in the mind, I am a whole lot stronger than they will ever be, and they can only feel sorry about themselves and the way they acted back then. So now I'm just, I'm a happy person, I show it a lot. Yeah, I mean, you are one of the happiest arts <laughs> players that I've met, to be honest, Dibby, and not just after winning a major title. No. <laughs> but where was, did you realize darts could be a job quite early on then? Because if school wasn't going that well, mm. I mean, what was your plan? Have you worked a day in your life? Or yeah, 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 okay, no, I've, I've worked. I've worked in a, an elevator company. An I have elevator company? An elevator company, yeah. Oh, um, so the old elevators, we um, adjusted them, renewed them, uh, made them more safe. So I you also, like an engineer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then um, obviously I studied in school electricity, so I've, I've mm -hmm. could have been an electrician. But, well, at some point, some of my classmates put a joke on me that almost have costed my life. So since then, I was scared of electricity, and I still am. Whoa, 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 you're not just leaving that out there. What well, happened there? <laughs> um, I had to do an exercise with a motor, and then you work on 360 volts. Uh -huh. And I finished my exercise. I got great points on that as well. And then you need to unplug it. So I took it out of the wall. I unplugged it. And then I uh, unplugged my motor, put my motor away, and when I got back, I wasn't watching at the plug anymore because I remember I took it out. Someone else behind me has put it back in. 
And then I was unplugging that as well. And as soon as I did that and I pulled it out, I was like on 360 volts for a few seconds. And I had like over all my arms, little black spots because of burned skin. And well, if you can see it, I still like, I'm getting goosebumps now about it, but like in a bad way. Wow. Yeah, crazy. But since then I've got scared of electricity because it can kill you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to tell you. It's quite a good die. thing to be scared of. It's like, yeah. like snakes. Like, uh. It's quite good to be scared of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have the best youth tour record we've ever seen in the PDC. You've won 13, I think it is, youth tours on the development tour, yep. challenge tour. Yep. When it was 13, yeah. A couple of world youth championships. I know. <laughs> like you were, you were earning some decent money as a young man yeah in those things so did, where, did you get to a point where you just thought right nine to five job but i'm done with lifts no more mm. elevators for me darts is the way um i've got to say though in the beginning uh it wasn't easy to get yourself onto the tournament and win straight away because i think it took well not the first tournament of the pdc challenge tour that that's what i managed to win straight away and it was very close after the teenage british classics of darts yeah. i think it's what's called teenage teenage cup i don't know but i managed to win that so straight away i got into a winner mentality in a professional circuit but the year after was a little difficult to get myself pumped up straight away because i didn't you uh, won my tour card i had to go challenge tour that wasn't going well and i had to play the development tour and it only took me a few weeks or weekends before i managed to win again and since then i've only jumped on i said that you've got to take this serious you're a youth player that if you want to have a future, you've got to take it from now. You've got to take the time to develop. And since then, I've always wanted to be a great role model for my younger brothers, but also for everybody else. Um, and I think I'm doing that really well. Uh, I've looked up to Michael Smith after he won. Look where he is in the top eight of the world. Uh, Keegan Brown, another player that also has already gone deep into tournaments, managed to win uh, Pro Tours events, stuff like that. Max Hopp, another player, managed to win the... An, um, European tour. So if I see these guys winning it, I was like, come on then, like push yourself as well to get that. And all of a sudden it happened. All of a sudden yesterday I made history and especially as a debutant on the world match play. You've been around for a few years now. Yeah. You've just picked up £150,000 in prize <laughs> money. But there must have been times, even when you're winning, you know, two grand a weekend for a youth tour, mm. four grand if you want to come yeah. up, where you're thinking, having to win games of darts to earn money mm. to pay bills mm. that, that's quite a stressful thing to do isn't it? it's like the, the temptation to go and you know have mm. a job have a fallback plan it's got yeah. to be massive isn't it? well I always said to myself you need to figure out how much you are going to have as expenses during a month and that's what you need to try and earn yourself um, in that month and everything extra is bonus that can help you out the next month and that's how I always like looked at it I tried to be smart with going around with my money and right now i'm still am a guy that thinks about um, saving i'm thinking about future i don't only have a dream as a dog player i also have dreams in becoming a dad becoming a family becoming married so you've got to think ahead of that and that's how i always going to be doing i'm always going to be focused on my future you're a young man who's grown up in this game is that quite difficult where you i mean it's exciting traveling around and yeah. being on tv and everything that comes with that and mm. yeah, obviously you can earn a fair few quid playing <laughs> yeah I know um, is it difficult having having a profile is it difficult you want to have relationships you want to have friends and stuff but a mm. lot of you don't haven't lived a normal sort of 20s have you no definitely not um, 
as you say, I've traveled a lot. I've been around the world. I even got to Australia by playing darts. Playing darts brought me in to go to Australia. People wanted me to come there and do demonstration evenings. That's like, wow, that's insane. And back then, I wasn't really a great player. I didn't even make a lot of name. I just got a few times deep into a tournament. But, well, I have in my eyes an easy image i am always myself i'm always happy i'm i'm not trying to be someone else i'm not trying to be different than i am and i think that's what's making it easy just, the, i just crack on with it where's the dancing come from where did that first come from i, I mean everybody knows it now dimitri dances i can't remember <laughs> the first time it happened i don't know really why oh i remember the first time it's uh, especially after um at some point, my manager, Mac Alkin, he called me up and was like, mate, I've got the best walk-on song for you. And I'm like, what are you on about? Oh, listen to this. And it was Farrell Williams with mm -hmm. Happy. This song is completely you. You're happy all the time. And oh, it's got a nice tune. It's, it's, it's cheesy. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like it. And then I used that song at the Dutch Darts Masters against Josh Bain. And I was dancing a little because I wanted to. It just happened. It occurred out of nothing. And Mac saw that the crowd was loving it and he says like next time milk it and bam since then i've always like you can see it as soon as that song comes on i'm like him in, in that happy mood and i do want to dance it's just it's natural nothing has been planned it all just happened natural how easy is it to be natural when uh, we were talking with michael smith about this in the podcast when you're not just a dart player you are a brand you've got sponsors you've mm. got an image there's Dimitri van der Berg, the person, but then there's Dimitri van der Berg, the darts player, and the darts yeah. player has to have lots, ticks lots of boxes so mm. that he gets invites to PDC events, so that he gets sponsors, so he makes money and he can, mm. you know, earn a good living and achieve all those dreams you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, as everybody already knows, I've been living with Peter Wright for a few uh, weeks and almost three months, and that's where I have seen that by playing darts, you can have whatever you like like the house that they have it's like that opened my eyes that says to me this is what you can actually have by playing darts so another thing that makes me taking everything what I do I play in darts so serious and besides that I don't like I said I don't need to work for an image I just am myself and that makes it a whole lot easier and of course yeah sponsors come and well simple to say sponsors sometimes also go it's just part of life it's it's ups and downs and it's the way you deal with everything that will make you the person that you want to be. So, I mean, I quite like this. I mean, it, you talk about, oh, achieving my dreams and all these romantic ideas about playing the game you love and mm -hmm. it giving you the life you want. Really, all you want, you can play darts and make an absolute shed load of money and mm -hmm. buy a massive house and <laughs> yeah. cars and stuff. 100%. 100%. <laughs> my plan right now is save as much as I can. I have already a nice car that I'm really happy with, but my plan now is save for a nice big house, but in, in a way that I don't think it's going to be too big because the house of Peter Wright, for me, that's too big. <laughs> that's too big. <laughs> that is but an enormous house. I do want to have a nice swimming pool, an indoor swimming pool to the addition of my house. And besides that, my next car is going to be a Lamborghini Urus. A Lamborghini Urus. I don't even know what that is. I'm not that's the Jeep of Lamborghini. Yeah? The Jeep. Mate, that's a beast of a car. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, your, your manager is shaking his head there. <laughs> Yeah, of course, he always goes like, come on, get yourself a Range Rover. That's those are great cars. <laughs> I made in Birmingham. That's, yeah, that's why he likes those. Um, what's the plan now, Demi? You've had the biggest night of your life yeah. last night. Yeah. It is one that has taken, well, most of your life to get to. 
Mm. But then, do you ever look around in this game and think there have been players who've gone right to the top mm -hmm. and they're nowhere to be seen? I know, I rem yeah, something like that is a stuff I've already thought about, already talked about. The thing that I've always been doing is look ahead of yourself and try to learn from everything you've done, everything that occurs on your life, the, all the experiences and yeah, make the most out of it. Everything in the past, you've got to learn from it to get better to the future and you've got to work for your future. How am, how am I dealing with all of that right now? Well, right now, I am one of the happiest dart players in the world and I'm just going to see whatever comes on my pad right now because, well, this is a new territory for me. And um, as usual, I am a curious young man that wants to know everything about it and, well, bring it on. <laughs> Right, Dimitri Vandenberg, the new world match play champion. What do you make of that, Murph? I mean, there's all sorts there. Obviously, stuff about his career. But I was, I was very interested in, in the stuff he's talking about growing up because that's not something that Dimmy's ever mentioned in any interviews before. Yeah, I think we learnt a lot about Dimitri Vandenberg uh, in that interview. Often on TV, there's not much time to really get into knowing about the players, the past, the character. It's always straight after a victory and it's about the victory and rightly so but I think that interview really kind of shined a light into where Dimitri Vandenberg's motivation perhaps has come from um, and I found it very interesting you know he spoke very well and honestly and, and admirably about being bullied when he was younger and how he's kind of used that as fuel to, to prove these people wrong and actually not to do it in a in a bitter way um, which he could be forgiven for, but to turn around and say, look, I'm the one that's smiling now. I I'm a happy guy and, and I'm a successful guy, which he certainly is. Yeah, he certainly is. And look, people have talked about Dimitri being a, a star of the future for years and years and years. Look, it's happened now. That That's it. That was the moment, isn't it? I mean, if you're winning the world match play, then you are a star of this game. If you're in the top 16, then you're going to... You're going to feature in a lot of stuff. I mean, the, the, the doors are now open for Dimitri, particularly... I mean, look, it always helps if you are the leading light in a particular country because that's... You know, if you're going to have tournaments there... We had a Euro Tour in Belgium for the first time earlier on this year, of course. He now becomes the poster boy for that part of the world. And it's it's going to open doors for him. Is, the, is this a one-off? Is this an anomaly? Or do you think this is what Dimitri now does? Because... He's, he's shown that he can play brilliantly for a whole tournament and, and win, which is the, the biggest thing. There's, there's a number of people who've made semis and finals on a regular basis but never got over the winning line. If you win a big title, then look, your name goes down in history. I'd be very surprised if it was a one-off. Um, I was fortunate to spend a reasonable amount of time around Michael Van Gerwen kind of in his breakthrough year and when he sort of followed that up the following year. And Michael spoke a lot in that time about making small steps. And I think Dimitri Vandenberg has made many, many small steps. Plied his trade on the development tour, the most successful player we've ever had on the development tour. And then slowly started to reach quarterfinals a couple of times at the World Championships, just move through tournaments, get more experience. And yeah, this is a giant leap that he's taken now. And he's kind of announced himself as the man, if you like. The boy has become the man. He's now an elite player, having 
holding that title, as you rightly say, makes him part of that elite. He'll be in the Premier League next year, I'm sure, and we'll see him in all the big TV events because he's part of the world's top 16. And I just think he's, he's just on the right trajectory. And I'd be very, very surprised if it kind of went wrong from here. I think Dimitri Vandenberg is here to stay and I think he's going to be a big name in the world of darts for a very, very long time. Right, there's no questioning his talent. And this is the weird anomaly with Dimitri Vandenberg. Those you know, those development tour events that you mentioned, right? There is no reason if you're going to win a dozen of those, which he's done, if you're going to win those, they're yeah. in the same venues, they're the same conditions as pro tour events. You know, they're, they're even the same booths, by and large, that are erected in those venues. So he should be good on the floor. He knows how to win things. And yet, he's not, is he? He's better than he was. He's made a couple of Pro Tour yeah. finals. But if he'd lost that final to Gary Anderson, and he was he was second favourite for it going into it, and if Gary, you know, if he didn't have technical problems, then Dimitri would have been given much more of a game. But if he'd lost that final, there would have been a genuine danger that Dimitri Vandenberg would be the world match play runner-up and not qualify for a load of big TV events because his floor form isn't good enough. He genuinely needs to sort that out, doesn't he? Well, it may not matter now if he carries on getting to the, the latter stages of TV tournaments as a, a member of the world's top 16. I think we've seen players do that usually in the latter stages of their career, it has to be mm. said, just rely on ranking money from TV events to keep them in the top 16 and keep them in the tournaments. But that actually might help him relax a little bit. Um, mm. It's strange to see someone come alive um, on the stage. We have had so-called stage players over the years, but then for Dimitri, who we've kind of earmarked as a stage player, to do it where there is no crowd, it is all quite strange. The whole thing for Dimitri Vandenberg, when I watch him, I sometimes think he shouldn't be good. You know, when he stops and he pauses and he takes mm. a deep breath, and I think, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself for this shot, but invariably it goes in. Um, I, I'm really happy for him. He's, he's my mum's favourite player. Uh, oh yeah, he, no, he's he my stepdad's with... favourite player as well. Yeah. Like, I think the parents quite like Dimitri Vandenberg. They don't like they don't like the beard so much though. They liked him when he yeah, looked well, like he a little across... fresh-faced little kid. Yeah, she said he comes across as a polite young man, and I actually well, exactly, that's what he is. So he, well, he is, you know, that's just wish fulfilment from from your <laughs> mum. He hasn't got one of those for a son, so he may as well look around yeah, the world of darts for one is, of them. When the standard is so low, <laughs> um, but yeah. Dimitri, I, I, I do think you know he's authentic. That's what he is, and he believes in what he does. Um, perhaps it's strange that I don't know if he puts pressure on himself on the floor or if he just doesn't feel motivated. We heard Wayne Mardle, you know, your co-host of this podcast, speak about when he walk into those rooms and it'd be kind of deflating to be in that environment. Maybe that's something in Dimitri's mind. Maybe he can't really get up for it, but. Yeah, if you're going to be around in a game for a long time, you probably do have to address that. Or maybe he's going to be that good on TV that he'll get away with it. Yeah, maybe. Well, look, I, th I think you're right. We are going to see him in, in all the big TV tournaments now. That win is going to catapult him into the big time and the big time for a, a long, long while. Uh, you mentioned Premier League. I think he'll be nailed on for the Premier League next year. Uh, we'll be talking Premier League in a moment. For the Devon Peterson fans, Devon Peterson is is Gerwen-esque and Taylor-esque. The best, ultimately the best. I love darts, that's the passion, and I ooze darts. I take a good positive from that. The next step for Devin Peterson is just the sexiest, I ooze darts. They've always wanted Devin Peterson. As Devin Peterson, I was saying to myself, oh, that was good. Okay, Devin, so you look at this as a positive. Think of if Earthlings went to the moon. Devin Peterson, if he's there, God willing, he will be. The moon is definitely, inevitably 
the next platform for Devon Peterson. Believe it or not, that came from one interview with Devon. That's all you need. One five-minute interview with Devon. Yeah, uh, I mean, the man is... Look, when he did that interview, that would have been two years ago. And I thought, this is this is just pure Devon madness. This is brilliant. And then look who's laughing now, because there's only, you know, there's not many people throwing 113 averages in Pro Tour semi-finals and playing the best darts of their life. That man is going places, I swear. Um, yeah, and how close was he to the match player? I know we're going to talk about Premier League yeah. in a moment. How good would it be in a couple of years to have the likes of Dimitri and Devon Peterson in the Premier League? Yeah, well, look, I think it's it's very possible. And and again, you know, a top player from Belgium, top player from a continent there in Africa. Um, I know that Devon has been the only sort of star from Africa that that we've had over over the last few years. But things can change. You know, we're seeing players emerge from all different places. You know, we've got José de Sousa making the match play this year as the first Portuguese player ever to do it. Like, the, the game is growing. It may not be growing quite as quickly as as some would like, but it is growing and you only need... Look, if we get one player from China come through in the way that Snooker had it, then all of a sudden the landscape changes and then you're really going to see enormous interest over in the Far East and big money and new sponsors and all kinds of... The, the, the sport will change entirely um but yeah Devon Devon could be a man who, who plays in the Premier League if he carries on the rise that he's making but in terms of the Premier League we now know that we're gonna go back to Milton Keynes again like it is the home of world darts now so we'll have uh, a whole week pretty much of Premier League action from Milton Keynes and it's it, we've got a month break so it's it's a bit of a wait can you actually remember what the Premier League table looks like Murph I remember that Glenn Durant's on top of it. I don't remember much more. Go well, on, have a guess. I've got it. I've got it in front of me here. See if you. So Duzzer is top. He's on nine points. I'll not ask you for the point. Yes, if you can remember the order, Van Gogh must be somewhere around. So I'll put him second. Yeah, right. You're right there. You've got three think, players on seven points next. Uh, I think Michael Smith will be one of them. I remember him having a decent start. Are you looking at this table, Merv? I'm not. I promise, I'm not. You, you, All right, go on then. Know, What's number four? The kind of preparation I put into things <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I do actually I'll plump for, I'll plump for Peter Wright because I, I honestly think that he's the best player in the world this year uh, you're wrong actually because Peter Wright is, is fifth he's, he's level on points with Michael Smith and Nathan Aspinall who is in fourth place who and he's had a disappointing match play again but I, gen- I genuinely think I'm with you look Peter Wright there are four players I think are the best players in the world this year uh, Peter Wright, Michael Van Gerwen, Gerwen Price, and Nathan Aspinall. And I'll be honest, I think Michael Van Gerwen, out of the four, I might have put him at fourth in that list. Um, I think they're they're a, a cut above the rest of them, but I really think Nathan Aspinall is challenging Wright and Price as, as the best players in the world in 2020 so far. So which one did you say was out of the playoffs? Wright? Wright is, is fifth. He's not in the playoffs at the minute on, on leg difference. Then you've got Anderson. Then you've got Gerwin Price. Uh, and then Rob Cross, though Price and Cross on five points, and then Daryl Gurney marooned at the bottom with just two points. But he looks kind of refreshed coming back from the break. I mean, the stuff he was throwing at the summer series was very, very impressive. It was very disappointing at the, at the match play. I have to say, I thought I was expecting more from Super Chin there. Yeah, he's another player who said that he'd not done much in the break. So maybe the, the word that you used there, refreshed, was the right one. Um, I think that we have, we'll see in a few players that may have benefited from a break. Um, but you know they've, they've got a bit more of a break now, so it gives players a chance to either get more rest or actually 
the ones that might may have taken a little bit too much rest and recuperation actually take the practice board and and get things right and ready for the Premier League. What did he make of Rob Cross? Look, Rob hadn't been brilliant at the start of 2020. That's why he's second bottom in the Premier League. Um, but they're a little bit... And then the summer series, he comes back and you think, oh, hang on, he's back now. He's put the practice in. It's a nine data. He's making finals. He's averaging big numbers. And then, I mean, the game against Gabriel Clemens in the first round of the match play, I mean, it was... It was it was just a nothing display. I mean, admittedly, he drank his average up to nearly ninety five, and anybody who can average ninety five when you think you are playing abysmally for you, they're top, they're special players. But he's he is in a transitionary period. It looks like. Yeah, I, I've always thought with Rob Cross there are perhaps too many of those, as you've described it, nothing displays that can creep in. I mean, the two major tournaments that he won last year, um, he didn't perform anywhere near the level that he performed to win the World Championship. Um, but Rob Cross, the ability that he has got to kind of change it, and at times during a match, to kind of drag himself up, I think that will serve him well. But I don't think he's, he's going through anything like a purple patch. He may be in something of a rut, actually. Um, but maybe there's a little bit of pressure off him now because we did see him play his best darts when nobody really knew who he was. Uh, and maybe that has kind of weighed heavy on him. Um, yeah, well, well, let's have it right. But, um, I mean, look, he was, he was what, a couple of legs away. I can't remember how many how, how he lost to James Wade in the last week of the Premier League. He nearly topped the Premier League. Like, I mean, that is, and that's despite, that was a period where he was playing brilliantly and not winning anything, not winning floor titles or anything like that. And then he wins the world match play, not playing very well. It was a weird year for him last year where he won two massive titles, not playing well, and then managed somehow not to win any other titles despite playing incredibly. Now, we haven't seen much of the incredible stuff from him in 2020, but it's a weird old year. But, I mean, are you anticipating him to come back firing then? Or do you think that he could get overtaken by by other people, like players like Aspinall, Durant, who all, you know, they, they look to be playing really good stuff, as good as they've played in the PDC. Yeah, it's a difficult one because, I mean, he hasn't been around long enough to see if he can sort of bounce back. He's still relatively new. It's remarkable to say that, considering what he's won, you know, the biggest tournaments in the game. Um, I think this is just a personal opinion, and um, I think watching him sometimes, it all seems like a lot of hard work. Mm. Um, but um, I think Rob Cross is certainly, you know, he's got bags of ability, he's got bags of bottle. You know, just go back to that semi final when he did win the world championship against Michael Van Gerwen for that. Um, and he's always a difficult player to play against, a difficult player to beat as well. So I don't think he's going to, you know, just fall down the rankings, but I perhaps do think that being in the middle of the top 10 is maybe a truer reflection of where he is right now. I think right now, yeah, I just, I just I'm expecting him to just explode again. I mean, look, with the the first night back of the Premier League, it's going to be Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross, and with four weeks to prepare for it, I actually think that might lend itself towards Rob being ready. But then again, of course, he had he had quite a long while to prepare for the match play, and it just didn't happen against Gabriel Clemens. I'll run through the the fixtures on that opening night for you, Murph, and you can pick out whichever games you you like. I mean, we start with. Duzzer versus Peter Wright. We've got MVG versus Cross. Uh, Michael Smith, Gary Anderson. That's good, isn't it? That's really good. Aspinall versus Price. And then Daryl Gurney taking on the challenger. Or is it the contender? I forget the name. The contender? They're the contenders think, this year, yeah, aren't contender they? Yeah, contender now. There yes. we go. Yeah. Um, Chris Doby. So, 
I mean, actually, looking at it, they all look amazing games. What sticks out for you in that little selection? It's perhaps one of the first times where a contender stroke challenger can have a massive, massive impact on, a, on an opponent's season. And looking at Daryl Gurney against Chris Dobie, Daryl must be thinking, you know, that's all I need. You know, marooned at the bottom of the table and playing a player like Dobie who is just capable of switching it on um, and has really shone on big stages. We've seen him produce some huge stuff on the floor, but he's shone on big stages as well. And I fancy Chris Derby for that match. Um, other matches that you mentioned, Michael Van Gerwen Cross, um, and for all the sort of the way that I've talked down Rob Cross in the last five minutes, mm. I think he might win that one because I've got no doubt that two of the three weeks will be spent on a beach by Michael Van Gerwen. And maybe he, <laughs> he lose that first match and then just steamroll everybody else till the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Van Gerwen does not like. He will not like the prospect of not finishing top of the table, and but there are there are a number of weeks to go yet. But he's not at the top at the moment, and the chasing pack, the likes of Smith, Aspinall, Peter Wright, they're only one point behind him. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll make my selection, so I'm not. I won't ask Murph to do the same. But you quite fancy Dobie. Do you think Cross will win that against MVG then, or do you think what's 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 your call? It's difficult. Let me watch the first leg of the match because I'm going to tell you this now. When I watch. <laughs> When I watched Michael Van Gerwen against Simon Whitlock, it yeah. took me a minute to say that Van Gerwen's in trouble here. Just sometimes you can tell. Mm. Um, and I, it was a bold call against a player that hadn't beaten him for such a long time. But yeah, very bold um, call. Just sometimes. Also, not very bold see... to make that to announce that call several days after the match happened, and we know the result. I mean, I'm not I'm not calling you a liar, Murph, but yeah, well, I'm calling you a liar. You said well, you called Van Gerwen was going to lose within the first leg. Did... I didn't say that, Your Honour. I said he's in trouble here. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I think it's a bit like how have they prepared and, and is Michael Van Gerwen switched on for the prospect of you know, a run of Premier League nights in an empty arena in Milton Keynes? Will that get his juices going? Or is mm. he kind of going to treat this as a forgotten year and kind of take his foot off the gas a little bit? I'll be interested to see how it goes yeah. for him. Yeah, I think you may have, they'd be interesting. I mean, it does a right. Uh, what we'll do over the next few weeks, we'll be having various co-hosts making their selections. You can get involved as well on the Low Six app um, and uh, play yourself, small stakes betting, uh, playing against other uh, other people with very good cash prizes available to be won. But what we'll do, uh, we'll make our selections over the next few weeks. Uh, for me, uh, does a versus right, it's a draw all day long. I, I Every single time I'm going for players who are underdogs and I just think Rob Cross might spring a surprise because he, he, I think he can bounce back I think he can beat MVG uh, get, Michael Smith I think Gary Anderson you always back the player who's got the more, more uh, reliable throw and alright you proved me wrong a couple of times Gary at the, the world match play but eventually he came unstuck against Dimi I'll go Michael Smith there uh, Nathan Aspinall go in price I think it's a draw all day long and Daryl Gurney Chris Dobie I do think that Chris Dobie is a, is a future star I do think that Daryl Gurney three points to make up in three weeks to avoid elimination I think it might weigh heavy on his mind I don't think he's going to stop you know fighting I don't think he's going to give up it's not in his nature um, and he did show some good stuff at the summer series but I just think Chris Dobie's able to go out there and, and get a result I think I'll go for the, the contender slash challenger slash whatever we're calling him now in that one um 
what's next for you then, Murph? I mean, you're not at the Premier League. We're just waiting on Pro Tour, aren't we? It looks like we might get another series of events. I don't know. What's 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 the plan? Yeah, I'm still looking at those fixtures, Dan, and isn't it nice that Darts is in a place where we can look at a set of fixtures like that? And yes, we can make predictions kind of authoritatively, but isn't it nice to look at a set of fixtures and not have a clue who's going to win any of the matches? That's that's where the game seems to be at the elite level right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's what I said before, you know, it was Dimitri winning an anomaly, or do you think we are going to see some more first-time winners? Because we... You know, Nathan Aspinall was a first-time winner when he broke through and won the UK Open, and it didn't take long to establish himself in the elite. Now he looks like a regular winner, uh, potentially, of, of big events. But we could see other players breaking through. I mean, I remember when you were telling me about Luke Humphreys uh, very early on um, in his PDC career, and he looks... He's not very far behind Dimmy in terms of his success on the youth tour, the stuff he's done at the World Championship. He's kind of following Dimmy's career path. I mean, does that mean yeah. that in a year, 18 months, Luke Humphreys could be a major champion somewhere? Well, I think he's already publicly said that he's also now got Dimitri to kind of draw on as, as inspiration mm. for what he might do in the future. I think we will see first-time winners because I think there are too many players that are already at the you know in the top levels of the game that haven't won anything big yet Michael Smith being the most obvious example yeah. Um, but yeah I just think the game's in a really good place but to answer your question what's next for me I think I'm just waiting probably the same as you to see what is next and I'm pretty certain that the PDC will try their best to make sure that players have the opportunity to qualify for TV events like they did for the match play actually I thought the summer series was excellent in the way that we had five days of darts which was almost a race to the match play and I think if they do something similar for the TV events at the end of the year then you know hopefully um, you won't have succeeded in the clause you're trying to get put in your contract to get me out Dan and uh, I'll be able to be a part of it <laughs> well I don't want to do that because at least uh, you know at least you're still involved in say like the Fantasy Football League which I think you'll find I won uh, after weeks of you posting in our little group WhatsApp about how great week for the Murph it was because you were top of the table not even close at the end of the season but fell apart like the Sheffield Wednesday team you pathetically support story of my life Dan it always makes a <laughs> start and inevitably it falls to pieces probably like my longevity on this podcast uh, well you never know thank you very much for joining us though Murph I appreciate it um, the Premier League is back in, in four weeks time and the action will be thick and fast we've got the consecutive days in Milton Keynes so over the next few podcasts we will be getting various co-hosts in we'll be making our selections and you can join in on the Low 6 app as well remember if you are betting on Low 6 uh, you must be at least 18 years of age and resident in the UK terms and conditions do apply please gamble responsibly and if you or a friend have problems with gambling please seek help immediately and visit begambleaware.org 